Welcome to Navigating the Cancer Maze with Grace Goller. Dealing with cancer is by no means easy to handle, but our program aims to make it easier through knowledge. Whether you've been recently diagnosed, are going through treatment right now, or are a survivor, our program will have points that you should hear. And by sharing our stories together, we'll make it truly a life-changing experience that you don't have to go through alone. Now, here is your host, Grace Goller. Hi, it's Grace here and welcome to Navigating the Cancer Maze for another week. Uh, this week we're going to focus on breast cancer because, as most of you are aware, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So today with me I have someone who's uh, been dealing with breast cancer and uh, is here at the Halvang Private Oncology Clinic with me in Germany. Um, her name is Diane and she's here to experience the treatments offered by the Halvang Clinic. So hopefully, Diane, you're on the line there and we can uh, begin our questions. Yes, I'm here. So, um, Diane, you've come to Halvan, um, where breakthrough 21st century cancer treatments are offered. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about your breast cancer story, just briefly, and tell me what inspired you to visit the Halvan Clinic in Germany? Okay. Well, I was diagnosed with stage 2 breast cancer in July 2008 at the age of 51, and I underwent um, surgery and then I had four rounds of chemotherapy. Um, I declined radiotherapy and also hormone therapy uh, as I was um, very keen to embrace natural approaches to healing. Um, however, despite hours and hours of research, both on the internet and in books, and despite following the advice of naturopaths and despite giving my very, very best, my efforts didn't yield the results I wanted. Um, unfortunately, my tumor markers have slowly been climbing over the last two years. Uh, I'd actually read uh, your website shortly after by my diagnosis in 2008, but dismissed you as too mainstream. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry about that, Grace. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's, it's a good comment. Yeah. Well, providentially, I stumbled across your website a few weeks ago when I was really desperate for some answers and by then my attitude towards your approach had changed. Uh, around the same time I'd also begun to see a GP who had a special interest in cancer and so uh, my husband wasn't going to rush in and make any decisions about going to Germany but um, well we decided that we'd wait and see what this doctor's opinion was and um, anyway he when he heard that we were considering going to um, Holbung, uh, he turned to us and said, uh, look, if you've got the funds, just go. Yes, definitely go. Um, he knew of Dr. Ursula Jakob, who's the medical director at Holbung, and he was uh, very impressed with her knowledge and said that um, really she had very good results. Uh, so... It was such a strong endorsement that we couldn't dismiss it. And um, actually, three of his patients have been here at Halvang, and he said that all three of them are doing really well. So to my mind, that was three out of three. That was a 100% success rate. So that was good enough for me. 
Yeah, very inspiring. Uh, I can see why you've made the decision. Uh, so we've that's sort of looking at more of the um, the timeline, I guess, of your breast cancer. I'd like to talk to you a little bit about the emotional side of it. So when a lot of women are diagnosed with breast cancer, of course, it's quite a shock. Um, could you, in um, you know, just a very brief time, to tell us about how that shock was for you and, and how that impacted you on an inner level? Um, well, I was totally shocked. I was in a state of disbelief. I felt numb. It was as if it was happening to someone else. And um, my research tells me that this is a common experience. Right, so you were experiencing classic um, PTSD, which is the post-traumatic stress component of a diagnosis of breast cancer, yeah? Yes, well, I, I guess I was in a state of denial. I mean, I just, I just couldn't believe it. Mm. So how important do you think the emotional recovery was for you then and perhaps is for you now? Um, well, it's, it's been a long journey and I guess for me over the past four years I probably haven't been able to really move on because um, I've always had the tumour markers there before me and not behaving themselves. <laughs> right, so that's been a, a constant stress for you then? Yes, it has. So uh, I guess that moves us into my next question for you uh, about the impact of negative stress because the diagnosis itself is fairly stressful um, and negative stress does impact the immune system. So was negative stress an issue in your life, do you feel, before you were diagnosed with breast cancer? Um. Well, yes, I, I have to say that from the outset, I knew that this wasn't just a physical disease. Um, I knew that I needed emotional healing and I knew very on that um, it was to do with issues regarding the resentment and some bitterness that I'd been harbouring and um, that I needed to come to a place where I, I would forgive. Um, I also acknowledged um, early on that I'd allowed myself to be dominated by others and that I had uh, experienced for some years a lack of control over my own life. Um, so I, particularly this year, I've been learning to forgive and to genuinely want the very best for those whom I've previously resented. Um, I've also learned to worry less about what other people think of me and to be true to my own convictions and values. Um, yes, yeah, so I was too worried about what others thought of me I also was very busy raising and homeschooling six children and I guess I was anxious about many things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, very full life. Um, yeah, you've mentioned uh, there a little bit too about faith and um, I know that you follow a Christian religion and that's probably very important to you and I know that's also quite a private issue but could you also share some insights about um, how having that faith has impacted your uh, your look uh, towards the future and the outcome? Yes. Well, look I, look, I believe in the absolute sovereignty of God in my life and I believe that everything happens for a purpose and breast cancer is no exception. And I, I, I think that it's through adversity that God develops the character and that we grow deeper in our faith. Now, breast cancer is something that I've never, ever wanted and often I find myself wishing that things were different. And yet, through this experience, 
God has spoken to me as I've read his word in a way that he's never spoken before. It has been quite incredible how directly he's spoken to me and the promises that he's given me, and they have held me through, and I can be thankful to cancer for giving me that. It's, um, yeah, look, that's quite a, a moving thing that you say, and it's something that many patients have said to me in the past, particularly people that haven't had any kind of a faith. They really start looking around, it seems, when they uh, develop uh, something like cancer or breast cancer um, because they really need to have something, uh, I guess, spiritual to hang their hat on and a belief system uh, that accommodates their recovery. So I know you said earlier that you um, you did a little bit of the alternative medicine. Um, can you enlarge a little bit upon that as to what you actually did? Yes. Um, well, I probably did the usual things. Uh, I did IV, intravenous uh, vitamin C and B17. I consumed loads, the truckloads really, of apricot kernels. Uh, I ate raw food, like 95% of my diet. Um, juicing, ate juices a day. We grew our own wheatgrass and I juiced that. Um, that became a bit of a problem with the pigeons and the mice. Um, we did co- I did coffee enemas and I consumed green smoothies ad nauseum. Wow, it's, it's quite a list and so many people also, um, like yourself, do that. And I guess that adds another stress in. In looking back at uh, where you've come from with that, uh, how would you comment on, on the stress of doing that all? And I imagine, well, schooling all these children. Yes, well, I just, it, it consumes your whole life. And I was probably pretty boring around friends and family and I think really to take the total responsibility for your own healing journey is an incredible burden. Um, so I think probably what I learned from the experience was, um, you know, just do your research, but then you have to find the right people and trust them. You can't just, you can't just take it on yourself all the time or it, it really is an incredible stress. Yeah, I think that's very good advice, um, actually. So given the number of things that you did, um, what actually, if in a nutshell, worked for you? We've just talked about what was a bit of a stress and what didn't. What do you think did work for you? Yes. Well, I'll just say briefly what didn't work is just jumping from one alternative approach to another in panic and also spending hours on the internet and being obsessive about diet. But I think the things that were helpful were trusting God and believing his word, um, moderate exercise and moderate sun exposure, and more importantly, being true to myself and to my own beliefs and also adopting a more balanced approach. Um, I felt better and people said I looked better when I stopped my vegan diet. Um, And actually, in retrospect, I think that was detrimental to my pre-diabetes condition and also added some organic animal protein to my diet. Okay, thanks. Um, so now that you're here at Halvang uh, to add to your healing and and uh, go on with well-being and longevity, um, can you describe your experience here at the clinic so far for our listeners? Well, if you told me two and a half months ago that I'd be in Germany receiving innovative cancer therapy, I would have said that you had rocks in your head. 
Um, it's, it's been incredible and it's been such a learning experience. And actually not only the doctors addressing the cancer issue, but they're also getting to the bottom of other health issues that have been plaguing me for years. So this is just so exciting. I think I'm going to go home a new woman. But I also must give full credit to you, Grace, and to Pip. And if it hadn't been for you, I wouldn't have made this trip. And your support and advocacy have been wonderful. And um, I've learned so much from your years of experience. Fantastic. Thank you for that. It's it's an absolute delight for us to um, assist people like yourself because we kind of know what the journey can be like for people because I've, I've done it with people for 38 years and uh, you do learn a lot and it's really lovely to be able to share that and to share everyone else's wisdom that's come from that journey along the way. Um, so we're coming to the the last sort of segment uh, here and I just wanted to ask you if you could share some key experiences, perhaps something you haven't mentioned yet or are learning from your breast cancer journey for any ladies listening to the show today. Well, I just want to acknowledge um, my husband um, in this. He's been at my side every second of this ordeal and um, he's remained strong and positive during the very dark times. But what I'd like to say to, to women out there is, um, having learnt from my own experience, is to be open-minded, um, not to be dismissive of conventional, but to do your research. But then you have to find someone with experience who you can trust and who can point you in the right direction. And my doctor back home, who's, who's had many years' experience treating cancer patients, said, that there's not just one answer to cancer, despite all the convincing testimonials on the internet, that those people who've done the best are those who've combined the conventional with the natural therapies. Fantastic way to end the interview. I really want to thank you. It's about 9.15pm here, folks, on Friday evening at Halvang in Germany, and it's been very kind of Diane to take this time to talk with us and to share the experience of breast cancer and the experience of being here at Halvang. Thank you so much. Thank you, Grace. Okay, so we're going to go for a short break. And we'll be back soon with more of Navigating the Cancer Maze and talking today about breast cancer. Back soon. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Nestled in the heart of Germany's Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. Hulvang Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.hullvang-clinic.com. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G-clinic.com. Or call us in Germany at 490-7443-964240. 
Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Here we are, back navigating the cancer maze. I'm your host, Grace Gawler. And it was great to just hear Diane's uh, story about her journey with breast cancer. And with so many women like Diane who do try only alternative medicine uh, at the beginning, maybe think that it's going to replace some of those really good medical treatments. It's, um, I think it's quite sobering to hear that in a very personal sense from someone who's been through it and who's now going through it again. So I'd like to thank her again very much for being a part of the show. Um, Breast cancer has been something that I've been working with for a very long time. In fact, I started in the early 1980s working with women with breast cancer. And I wrote a book in the 90s called Women of Silence, The Emotional Healing of Breast Cancer. And this was the first time that anyone had ever written an entire book about the emotional healing and uh, to give women tools that they could actually use to help them navigate what we call for today the breast cancer maze. From that book, um, I guess what I what I really was wanting to achieve in writing it was to bring to mind all of the women that had been through the programs, the breast cancer programs that I had run uh, in Australia. And I had helped to um, co-found, in fact, the first cancer support groups uh, that were in Australia. And I particularly then focused on residential programs for women with breast cancer. And in in doing that, it was an enormous insight because I could not only have women just on the weekly basis, I could have people coming for five days and for seven days, and I could really get insights into um, – what was the the key things that they were really wanting to heal in their lives? And with those programs, it was a matter of looking at what they needed to heal in their lives that they could add to whatever was going on for them in a medical sense. And for some of those women who had no medical options left, the sorts of techniques that we used actually help them to gain peace of mind, well-being and uh, some deal of longevity when they had no other options. So we've talked a lot on this program about the importance of the psycho-oncology aspect in healing cancer. So very much that was what my programs were focused on back in the 80s and 90s. But I'd like to move forward a little uh, in this segment from the psycho-oncology aspect because we've given that quite a lot of time uh, in the segments of this program. I'd like to really look at 
maybe starting off here with some facts and some figures and some good news because there's a lot of misinformation around about breast cancer, cancer in general, and particularly misinformation about what's available um, in conventional therapies. So I did a little bit of research on the internet um, this evening uh, when I was preparing for the show, and I'd like to start with the good news first. The good news is that in 2011, there were more than 2.6 million breast cancer survivors in the US. Now, that's quite a large number of survivors, and there's a number of survivor networks that are very, very strong throughout the country, um, support groups, online support groups, hospital support groups, and independent support groups, and I'm sure those groups have actually contributed quite a lot to that 2.6 million breast cancer survivors. Now, the other interesting fact and figure is that in 2011 also, an estimated 230,480 new cases of invasive breast cancer were expected to be diagnosed in women in the US. And that's along with 57,650 new cases of non-invasive, which is called in situ breast cancer. So these figures are really quite high. And uh, it's great that we have 2.6 million survivors of breast cancer, but we're going to look a little further in the show at some reasons perhaps why the breast cancer diagnoses are escalating and that younger women also seem to be getting breast cancers that are more aggressive. So if you're a woman at the moment, and I know I'm Australian, but I'm going to stick to the US. Um, if you're a woman in the US at the moment, about one in eight women which is just under 12% of women in the USA, will develop invasive breast cancer over the course of their lifetime. It's interesting also that uh, there's a number of men in America now diagnosed with breast cancer, and that number's about 1 in 1,000. And apparently there's about 2,140 new cases of invasive breast cancer in men um, diagnosed in 2011. So it's great to see um, uh, some of these figures and see that there's some impact being made on cancer. Um, 1999 to 2005 was quite an interesting time to look at because there was actually a decrease in women age 50 and older. Now, this was very popular in the press, and one theory is that this was partially due to the reduced use of hormone replacement therapy by women. Uh, a large study indicated that uh, there was a connection, a very strong connection between women who used HRT and an increased breast cancer risk. So we know about the genetics of breast cancer. Um, if you've got people in your family, especially close relatives with breast cancer, it does put you in a bracket where you might be more likely um, to be diagnosed with it. And I'd just like to um, go into the definitions because there's a lot of confusion about breast cancer. Uh, breast cancer isn't just breast cancer. There's many different kinds of breast cancer um, and there's many different stages of breast cancer. And there's basically two, um, for anyone who's not aware of this, I'll just go into this briefly. There's the non-invasive in situ breast cancer and that's where the cells have just stayed in the place of their origin and they haven't spread really very far. They haven't gone into the tissue, they haven't gone into the duct or the, the lobule. 
The second type of breast cancer is invasive breast cancer, and that's often infiltrating, which means it spreads outside of the membrane that lines a duct or a lobule, and then it invades the surrounding tissue. Then it can travel into the lymph glands and to other parts of the body. Um, Interestingly, it is the type of tissue where your breast cancer arises that determines how the cancer is going to behave, and it also determines what treatments for you are going to be most effective. So there's three basic parts of breast tissue where breast cancer begins. One is the milk ducts, um, the second is the milk-producing lobules, and the third is connective tissues. So we often hear or see in the newspapers that, you know, there's a celebrity that's had breast cancer and cured. Um, there's a lot of stories around about people who have uh, had cures for cancer. And I think we have to look at these very cautiously, especially when it comes to making what I would call healthy and informed choices. Many of the people who are advertised as having um, a recovery, uh, really there's not a lot of information that's given about what type of breast cancer they had, what stage of breast cancer they had, and even the accuracy of what treatments they may have followed. So we find that there's a lot of people who actually um, take a lot of that material to heart and then try and do it themselves. And this we see also a lot in the alternative sphere, which I'm going to talk about a little bit later in the program. So now we've looked at the facts and the figures and the survivors of breast cancer. Uh, I'd like to have a little bit of a look now at the causes of breast cancer. And one of my interests, a very long-term interest, has been when I've been travelling around the world to collect old medical books and uh, look up about breast cancer in particular because it has been an interest of mine. So one day, actually, when I was in New Zealand, I found a book which dated back to 1765. It was called Buchan's Medicine and it was published in Edinburgh. And it contains quite a brilliant paragraph about the causes of breast cancer as breast cancer was understood in that time in 1765. Um, as I read this to you, I'll do a direct quote from the book because I really think it's quite interesting. And you can see the parallels with the, today's complementary and medical approaches. So um, Dr. Buchan writes, in 1765, persons after the age of 45, particularly women, and those who lead an indolent, sedentary life, are most subject to this disease. So we know that exercise is really helpful for people dealing with cancer, people dealing with breast cancer. So the sedentary life, not an ideal. This disease, he goes on, is often owing to suppressed evacuations, in other words, constipation. Hence, it proves to be seen in women of gross habits, particularly old maids and widows, about the time when the menstrual flux ceases. It may likewise be occasioned by excessive grief, fear, anger, religious melancholy, or any of the depressing passions. Hence the unfortunate, the choleric, and those persons who devote themselves to a religious life in convents or monasteries are often afflicted with it. It may also be occasioned by the long-continued use of food that's too hard of digestion or of an acrid nature, by barrenness, 
celibacy, indolence, cold, blows, friction, pressure or the like. And this is just a classic, the way that this finishes. Women often suffer from the last of these by means of their stays, which squeeze and compress their breast as to occasion great mischief. Sometimes the disease is owing to a hereditary disposition. So in today's uh, light of knowledge, there's quite a lot of material in there far back as 1765, which does outline a lot of the causes of breast cancer as we see them today. Uh, it's interesting that even the hormonal status was noted in Dr. Buchan's medicine book. So when we come back after the break, I'm going to have a look a little more in depth um, at some causes because back in 1765, uh, there weren't so many things around that could alter hormones and be a challenge to people, a challenge to our immune systems. And so we can add a few things to what uh, Dr. Buchan has given us in his little treatise there. So we are going to be back very shortly. Uh, we'll take a break now, navigating the cancer maze. And when we come back, we'll be looking more about causes of breast cancer and some solutions. Network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Nestled in the heart of Germany's Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. Hulvang Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.hullvang-clinic.com. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G-clinic.com. Or call us in Germany at 490-7443-964240. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Guller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Four seven two five seven nine two. International callers may dial in to four eight zero five five three five seven five nine. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now back to navigating the cancer maze. Navigating the cancer breasts, cancer maze today. And uh, we've uh, had a guest on, which is very well worth your while to go back and have a listen if you missed the first part of the show. And in talking about navigating the breast cancer maze, we're going to look at some of the causes of breast cancer now as it is in our modern environment. So for a start, it's worthwhile looking at environment. 
And I think if one is looking at doing prevention of, um, particularly prevention of breast cancer, but other cancer too, it's very important to look around in your environment and see what you can do about changing some of the things that you use. They might be things that you use for cleaning. Uh, they might be things that you use for spraying in, in the bathroom. Uh, they might be all kinds of things that are in your household. It's really worthwhile to become a, a great reader of the labels on all the products that you're buying. Now, if you can go for the products that are more natural, it's really very helpful because what you're doing, you may not prevent cancer because I think that's getting harder. You know, in the 21st century, we've got more challenges than we've ever had before. But I think by minimising risks, we can really help our immune systems in particular to just do what they do in their natural state without having a lot of challenges from unnecessary chemicals in the environment. Now, products that we use every day as well for ourselves, and these are our personal products, um, they really need to be scrutinized quite closely because any products that you do use on a regular basis can have a big effect on um, creating what we call hormone disruption in the body. And some of the products that actually get absorbed through the skin become very mischievous when they get into the lymphatic system. So there's a lot of toxic substances around it. Even looking at the perfumes that you use um, is really well warranted. Now, it's very hard to do this if you are, um, you know, a housewife and you've got children and you've got a lot of things to do to actually do the research. But thank goodness someone has done it for you. And this is also a bit of the good news. So if you look up www.ewg.org, that's www.e, small e, small w, small g, dot org. They have produced a fantastic website. They've collated, it's American-based, and they've collated a whole lot of information on home products, um, toxic products in, in the um, health area so that you can make better choices. Uh, there's information on the website about farming, natural resources, energy choices. And best of all, they've actually got a chemical index and an index where you can actually go and look at the grading of cosmetics and other things that you're actually using. I hope in uh, one of our uh, Navigating the Cancer May shows, we're going to be able to get someone on from this organisation to talk about this a little more. But I'd really strongly suggest for yourself and for your family, a lot of women with breast cancer are very worried that the children that they've produced are also going to carry some kind of genetic propensity towards developing breast cancer in their lifetime. And I think what we can do for our children is start to become very conscious. We can become conscious shoppers. And, you know, I think I'd advise you like I do. I'm getting very close to 60 now and uh, my partner is 66 and we have magnifying glasses when we do our shopping because a lot of the ingredients are so, so tiny on the bottles and you think, oh, it's a bit too hard. I can't read that. Believe me, it's worthwhile reading it because I think this is a major contribution to the escalation of breast cancer today and uh, as well, I think, also so prostate cancer, any of the fatty tissues in the body that absorb uh, um, these substances, these chemical substances, and this can actually in turn create damage right down 
to the DNA. So I think it's a part of prevention and it's a part of good life management and it's a part of helping our children. Um, look at what you also spray in the garden around the home. If you're on a farm and you've got agricultural chemicals, it's not a bad idea to go and get a test from um, uh, probably a naturopath in, in America, perhaps an integrative doctor, who can actually test for some of the chemicals that are in the products that are used agriculturally and even some that you use in your garden and on your veggies. Uh, if you know you've been exposed to any of these, go and get tested and minimise your use. And if you do have to use uh, some of these substances, be sure that you cover up I know back in Australia, we often see on the side of the road people in their shorts and a, and a singlet and boots spraying the blackberries with quite toxic material. And uh, I think that's a pretty horrifying sight because in uh, 10 or 20 years' time, they may have absorbed enough of that chemical to be disruptive and to cause a prostate cancer. So these are some of the things you can do something about. Um, HRT for women we've also mentioned as being definitely a cause for a certain type of uh, woman uh, over 50s and using HRT was not a good idea and still people are waxing and waning a little bit on that but most of the women who have come through in that age group, when we ask the question and they have breast cancer, have you used HRT at all? They will often say yes. And a lot of them have used it for a period of somewhere between three and five years and then discovered that they had um, breast cancer. Genetics is another area to look at. Um, now you've got inherited genetics, which means that you know, you might have got something through from your grandmother's line or um, another relative who's close to you, and that's actually affected your propensity to develop a breast cancer in your life. And everyone knows about um, the BRCA gene, um, the certain groups of Jewish people that have a particular genetics for also being more susceptible to getting breast cancer. Um, so we've got the inherited genetics and we've got the genes that are actually affected by external uh, things in the environment and things that we're using that we've just talked about and chemicals. Another thing to look at um, in causes of breast cancer can be high levels of copper. And high levels of copper can be stored in the liver and it can actually affect uh, hormone balance. And that's something if anyone wants to know more about, perhaps you can email me. I've got some quite good documents that I can forward you in a PDF. And you can always email me any questions to institute at gracecaller.com. And don't worry the fact I'm in Australia. In fact, I'm all over the world and uh, receive emails from all over the world as well. So I'm happy to get back to anybody who would like some uh, more details on this. Now, one of the newer ones um, here that wasn't around in 1765 uh, is EMFs. That's electromagnetic frequencies. And we know that this can certainly affect breast tissue. 
I had a lady some years ago who uh, was having a lot of problems with insomnia and she also had breast cancer and her breast cancer treatment wasn't working. She had a spa that was literally behind her bed and she was also sleeping with a uh, digital clock very close to her bed, to her head. And it was simply a matter of changing the bed around in the room so that she wasn't getting the electromagnetic frequency that was um, being set up by the copper coils. When we tested her with a gauss meter in her bedroom, it was actually over the recommended safe level. Now, simple thing, she just moved her bed to the other side of the room and uh, took the clock away. The insomnia stopped. And it was most interesting that her tamoxifen that she was taking for her breast cancer seemed to start working again. So that's another environmental issue, electromagnetic frequencies. Um, there's a lot of misinformation around about that, and it's nothing to get too paranoid about. But um, I think um, with the electromagnetic frequencies, it's worthwhile having a think about what you do the most, where you, um, where you sit in your home, whether you're getting frequencies from your computer, um, the computer figuration that you've got set up. It's just worth having a look at because if you're going to be spending a lot of time in a place like in a bed or sitting at a computer desk, it's really worthwhile paying attention to the EMFs. Another one that's come up in um, recent times, perhaps in the last uh, 20 years, has been excessive cell phone use. And home wireless phones can also be a problem. We actually have a lady here in the Halvan group who says that when she had her, um, her phone use at home, she was using it a lot during the day to talk to distant family, and she noticed that uh, it was actually heating up every time she had it near her head. And she has a brain tumour very near the spot where the phone has been. And she said, I've, I always intuitively felt that that was a problem and maybe I shouldn't be using that phone. Um, so they have been linked. These kinds of frequencies have been linked with breast cancers, but they've also been linked with other cancers, some leukaemias and um, uh, brain tumours as well. Now, one of the other obvious causes with breast cancer is the smoking of cigarettes. And viruses has become quite a popular um, area in all cancer research, but also now being looked for in breast cancer research. We more think of this in cervical cancer, but around the world, um, cancer researchers have really um, upped their opinion on the viral cause of cancers and they're called oncogenetic viruses that can actually affect your immune system. One of the things that they actually do here at the Halvan Clinic is check people out for viruses and bacteria because these are also known sources of inflammation. Um, one of the things that can cause inflammation in the breast tissue in particular, and it might be of interest to uh, mention this, is calcium because a lot of women take calcium supplements and we know that all calcium supplements that are taken are not utilised in the body by most women and that this calcium can finish up in tissue where it's not supposed to finish up. Um, in other words, calcium is supposed to help your digestion and it's supposed to help your bones. But if you take the wrong kind of calcium, too much calcium, 
or there's a vitamin D imbalance, you can actually cause microcalcifications uh, to develop in your breast tissue. And many women with breast cancer talk about these and say they've been picked up on a mammogram. So those little calcifications are a little bit like um, sand in an oyster. And you know what happens when sand gets into an oyster causes irritation and in the breast tissue it does cause inflammation and microcalcifications has been seen uh, certainly as a precursor to breast cancer. So that's something that you can do in having a look at the supplements that you're taking because not all supplements are good for you. Um, it's what you actually do with what you eat and it's what you actually do with the supplements that you take and it's very important that those supplements are personalized, that they're prescribed for you because so many people nowadays buy their supplements from the internet and just think, oh well, a small amount's good and a large amount must be better. Um, but that's proving not to be so and we're seeing a lot of people who are uh, developing illnesses that are associated with being over-supplemented. So we'll come back after the break and finish talking a little bit about uh, calcium, a little bit about vitamin D because they're two of the big ones that are very popular in talking about uh, breast cancer. So I hope that segment has been helpful for you in making choices and that next time you go to the supermarket, you take your glasses and you become a conscious shopper so that you can really help your own health and the health of the family. We will be back soon on Navigating the Cancer Maze. We're just going to take a short break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Nestled in the heart of Germany's Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. Hulvang Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.hulvang-clinic.com. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G-clinic.com. Or call us in Germany at 490-7443-964240. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Okay, we're back and uh, realizing that we're running out of time very quickly in this very large subject today of talking about breast cancer. 
before the break, we were talking about calcium. Uh, it's one of the supplements that women with breast cancer are commonly taking, and also vitamin D. Vitamin D has um, also been in the press a lot lately. It's caused a, a little bit of confusion. Again, people think that a small amount um, is not enough and uh, tending to take far too much for too long. So this can also create a very large problem. And I guess one small thing to think about, basically in my training as a naturopath and a herbalist, uh, we have a, a, a law of pharmacy, which is called the Arntschultz Law of Pharmacy, and we learn that small amounts cure and too large amount of any substance can create the opposite reaction in the same part of the body that you wanted to treat. So um, vitamin D, a little bit uh, is great, but too much can create problems for your bones. And we're even seeing some over-strengthening of bones. And uh, some people can store the vitamin D. It's a fat-soluble vitamin, so it's not excreted from the body and it can become quite toxic. Um, so we need to know about our vitamins, particularly if we're dealing with cancer or breast cancer. So vitamin D, they believe, can play a role in controlling normal breast cancer cell growth, and it may be able to stop aberrant breast cancer cells from growing. So it's a good thing to take. If you're going to take a vitamin D supplement, uh, recommend that you take the D3 form of the vitamin and not the D2 form. But please, before you do anything, do not buy it off the shelf and go to your doctor and get a test for your serum level of vitamin D. Um, it really should be somewhere around about 40 to 60 nanograms per mil, and uh, they will look for that because if you're taking it and you don't need it, not good. Now, there's another form of vitamin C, which is vitamin D, sorry, which is really helpful, and that's just getting your vitamin D from the sun. So uh, it's impossible to overdose on vitamin C, D that you get from the sun. I'm thinking of vitamin C all the time, so I'm going back to that. We'll talk about vitamin C in a minute. But vitamin D from the sun, uh, short periods, they say about 15 minutes, three times a week, is pretty much enough for most people to get their vitamin D level. So there's just a few tips about vitamin D. Vitamin C for people with cancer, um, find somebody who really knows how to give you vitamin C if you're going to do it intravenously for your breast cancer. You can take vitamin C orally. Uh, it does work quite well. You're best to get a time-released version. But again, seek professional help on the dose that's right for you. And just one little um, warning about vitamin C that's given intravenously. It can actually create a problem with veins. So if you need your veins for chemotherapy, uh, be sure you're going to someone for your vitamin C infusion who can actually um, do it and flush the vein afterwards so that you don't get a breakdown of veins. Very commonly in my practice with many of the ladies that have chosen to do alternative medicine, when it comes time for doing other treatments, they have to get a port, a port uh surgically implanted because their veins are ruined from the vitamin C. So always, always seek professional advice. Uh, whenever you're taking anything to do with cancer. Uh, I can't emphasize that enough. You've got a lot of good people who are trained very well from the John Bastia College, <clears throat> excuse me, in, um, in Canada and a, a lot of people throughout America who are very well trained and who can prescribe the correct doses for you for the things that you need. Now, just in this last segment of the show, um, 
like to talk about the options that you might be given if you're diagnosed with breast cancer. You know, there's several breast cancer types and stages, as we said before. And if you're newly diagnosed, um, some of the options that you may be given in the beginning are, let's face it, surgery. Um, you may be offered a lumpectomy, a partial mastectomy or a mastectomy, which is the full removal of the breast, and there may be lymph node removal that's also being offered. Uh, the regime often follows then of chemotherapy, radiation, and hormone control. So this is why a lot of people say, wow, that's a heck of a lot of assault on my body to have to do all of those things in my recovery from an illness. And I think that's one of the tempting things to uh, look at a lot of the alternative medicine and think, well, this is the soft option and I might just try that first and see how I go. And again, I can't emphasize enough that that's a, a relatively dangerous decision to make. And I know that those um, medical treatments sound extremely daunting, but I think it's good to do your field work first, um, to get a lot of opinions, to find an oncologist who's a compassionate person as well as a skillful person. And I think it's not a good idea to go just to one person. Um, bounce it around with a few practitioners, um, medical practitioners, and really get your choices together so that you can make the best possible choice for you. <clears throat> now, I think that it's a very hard time to be making uh, such a decision, especially when you have got the shock of the diagnosis. And as we heard from Diane earlier in the program, um, she mentioned that the shock was a really big issue for her. So you've got really um, these pro-life decisions that you're supposed to make and anti-cancer decisions that you're supposed to make by killing the cancer at probably the lowest possible point psychologically and emotionally in your life and perhaps for some people even physically. So make your choices carefully. Do a lot of reading of the right material. Um, our website, gracegawlerinstitute.com, has a lot of information on it about cancer, um, particularly breast cancer. And remember the book, Women of Silence, The Emotional Healing of Breast Cancer, has a tremendous amount of information um, that can help you with making the decisions. And there's also some parts in the book that can help your partners to cope better with supporting you as a breast cancer patient. I wanted to mention again um, the RGCC genetic tests. A few weeks ago, we had Dr. Ray Hammond on the program who talked about the importance of genetic testing in targeting therapies for cancer patients. And uh, the Halvan Clinic, where we heard Diane speaking from before, specializes in targeted therapies. They use the RGCC genetic tests here, and the test actually does assist the clinicians to really be able to describe a far more personalised treatment for you. Um, Ray Hammond's interview can be found on the sidebar of the website, the website that you're on for listening to this show. And you can listen to um, his interpretation of why it's important for cancer patients to have this type of genetic testing. Uh, I'll just mention the website again for um, Ray Hammond. It's RGCC. USA, which is all one word, dot com, or you can also contact uh, RGCC in Greece. Here we go. Info at RGCC-GenLab, that's G-E-N-L-A-B 
www.thepowerofthenews.com. So either of those two emails will find you a direction to investigate this genetic testing a little bit more. Um, just like to finish up with talking about some of the positive things that you can also do in the complementary sense without getting into too much trouble in supporting yourself with breast cancer. Things like relaxation, qigong, tai chi, light massage, aromatherapy, imagery, as we heard with Dr. Emmett Miller last week. Um, imagery and relaxation can be a very, very helpful tool for anybody dealing with breast cancer. And there's some fantastic testimonials of people who have used imagery as an adjunct to their breast cancer conventional therapy in the book Women of Silence. So I'd really uh, like to suggest that you do get hold of the book. Now, I'm going to make a special offer here because it's uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And the first 20 people who would like to email me um, at institute at gracegawler.com. Uh, I will send you a complimentary copy of my ebook version of Women of Silence. Uh, I think you'll find that very, very helpful. We're coming to the end of this segment, so very, very quickly again in navigating the cancer maze. And we've today been looking at breast cancer. There's a lot more that we could be talking about in looking at breast cancer, but do, I would say, make wise choices because remember that you have one precious life and the choices that you make are going to add to that life or maybe subtract from it. So I really wish you well in navigating that maze and please do contact me if I can be of further help until next week's show. And by the way, next week we'll be talking with one of the doctors here from the Halvang Private Oncology Clinic in Germany and they'll be talking about 21st century breakthrough cancer medicine as practiced here in Germany. Thanks for listening and we'll talk again next week on Navigating the Cancer Maze. Thank you again for listening to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Please join your host, Grace Goller, again next Friday at 12 noon U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember, cancer is not something you have to face alone.